Hey, welcome to another episode of the Welcome to the Table podcast. We are so glad to have you joining us and being a part of the conversation that happens here. My name is Khalil. My name is Sean. And as always, we are so excited. Hey, if you're new to the show, we just want to say thank you. Thanks for coming and hanging with us. And uh, we explore spiritual disciplines, church history, current cultural challenges, and all the things that shape us as followers of Jesus. And we're learning together around the table. And so, man, if the show is beneficial, share it with someone. Give us a glowing review. Eight Glow- stars. Glowing reviews only. The eight star review. Uh, eight star reviews. And find them. And uh, if you want to be a supporter, you can also join our Patreon page, which you can find it in the show notes and donate an amount, any amount you want every single month. And that helps us continue to get quality guests, create quality content. Speaking of guests, who yeah. do we have? We have right now. The lead pastor of a church in our Oregon Ministry Network, a church called Horizon Christian Church or Community Church now, right? Community, yeah. Yeah, Community Church. And it's a fantastic place. I've gotten to know Pastor Stan over the years. I remember, and I won't take up too much time because I want to hear from you. Um, The first time I got to sit down with you at lunch, I said, man, I want to get to know that guy. Um, I saw you at one of our events, our network events, and and I said, I just want to pick his brain. I just wanted nothing specific. And we went to Red Robin. This was probably yeah. nine years ago or something yeah. like that. It was a while ago. And I walked away feeling better about myself, not because you were like buttering my toast or anything, but just because of how authentic and real you are. And uh, just very much who you are, you are very much comfortable with Pastor Stan Russell and what God has done and is continuing to do in and through and around you. And I just felt like I'm a better person because I just hung out with this man. And so we're so excited to have you on the podcast. We're grateful that you're able to be with us. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your family, uh, about ministry and so on and so forth. I'm married to Kieran Russell one of the most amazing human beings in in the world. I love her so much. She's not your normal pastor's wife in a sense that the upfront type, but she's an incredible administrator and more importantly, just a wonderful partner in life. And I I couldn't be happier. She is the best gift that God has ever given me. Mm. And she gave us two wonderful kids. My son, Aaron, is on staff with us. He's 32 years old, and he does our media and graphics, as well as some music production. We have Horizon Music here where we do some recording. Cool. And uh, we're trying to look for that young sound and get that out there and in worship. And uh, then my daughter, Candace, is in Nashville, and she's one of your, actually, Eric and Candace were both fine arts participants way back. And their products of Oregon's ministry network at some level. And uh, she's in Nashville working it as a singer-songwriter and uh, doing her best to see if the Lord will use her in that area. And we're so proud of both of them, love them both. They're following the Lord, and uh, that makes me happy. It's super cool. That is cool. That is really cool. Okay, here's what we do with all of our guests. Yeah. You got to tell us <laughs> one fun fact about you. What's something that our listeners wouldn't know. know. What do they need yeah. to know? What do they need <clears throat> to know? Uniquely, I don't know, you guys probably don't even know this era, but we had a Jesus Northwest festival in the area that ran about 30,000 people where they bring in singers and speakers and that People's Church in Salem ran that with Denny Davis and some of his staff for a couple of decades. Wow. It was in Washington where at the fairgrounds 
And one of the things that was fun was I was once on the stage as a singer oh. with a band and once on the stage as a speaker as well. So had now there's a big stage and a smaller stage, but I, and I was on the smaller stage, <laughs> but I remember one time I walked into a room with about 5,000 kids. Wow. And uh, they, I, I said to them, and I was a distribute director then, they called them decap in those days. And uh, I said, I don't think this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm thinking too, this is too many. This is for one of the, the big names. And they said, no, this is it. You're, you're here, you're scheduled to speak. And I said, I'm, I don't think so. I'm not going on up there <laughs> until I get the word from Randy Campbell, who is the director of the whole festival, that I'm actually supposed to be here. So they called, made a call and said, yeah, you're on, bro. This is it. So I got to speak to several thousand kids and uh, it was fun, but. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're just speaking and singing in at the festival. I thought that was fun. That is awesome. And it is so good that you didn't get the call back. And they're like, yeah, actually, you're right. You're not. <laughs> there was a mistake. <laughs> you're on this other stage. Kids were coming up to get my signature afterwards because that's what they do at these festivals. And I'm like, I'm not really famous. I'm not one of these guys. And they go, yeah. And they just keep That's I'm hilarious. Like, Follow Jesus with your whole heart and just try to write something nice there. I've had, I've had some kids since stepping into this role as district youth director, which obviously like you just alluded to, you did some years ago. I've had kids want me to sign all kinds of things, mm -hmm. shirts, hats, and I'm just like, what is with our culture and that we, we yeah. liked it? Cause I did, cause I'm the same way. If I saw somebody that I really respect or whatever, I'm like, hey, oh, I've had kids sign my arm. I'm like, this yeah. going to wash it off. I signed some expensive shoes once because the kid thought I was in the band. And I tried to tell him I wasn't in the band, but they thought I was being funny. So <laughs> I devalued the shoe. We are glad that you faithfully have served the state of Oregon mm -hmm. in multiple different roles and that you signed T-shirts and all kinds of things. So we would love to know, though, what are you fired up about lately? What? Are um, you excited about what is some things that maybe the Holy Spirit is doing deep in your soul and that you would like to to share with our listeners? Let me just share a couple thoughts. Number one, a win that I thought was a, a cool win that we just had. We just had our <clears throat> missions week. We call it Kingdom Builders. And one of the things we did 10 years ago is we made a commitment to try to sow a million dollars into Cambodia. Ken Hoff, one of Oregon's own, is over there as a missionary. We saw what Albany had done. They built seven churches and a district office and had made such a difference over there. I felt like God spoke to me and said, a uh, million dollars in a decade. And I was thinking, Lord, we got to build buildings back home, mm. like for the school. And I don't know how we're going to do both. And I felt like God said this to me, play as day. You build it for my kids here when they can't afford it. And I'll build it for your kids there where you can't afford it. Cause it's $10 million for us to build a building. So I said, oh, okay. I came back. Unbelievably, the church caught the vision over a 10 year period. We built 12 churches, 11 or 12. I'm not sure which one, if they've all been funded, but 12 churches, I believe we built two or three homes to rescue children from sex trafficking. Right. We sent teams over and in the end, we gave, the decade just ended. This is why this story is on top uh, now. And we didn't give a million, but we gave 2.4 million in, in those 10 years just to Cambodia. And not only that, but the story gets better. We're selling a piece of land for about three or four times more than what it's worth. 
there have been some really surprised things that are coming towards us with millions of dollars. And God willing, in the next year, we will build a new sanctuary debt-free. And the promise that the Lord gave will be fulfilled. Like you give the missions and take care of my kids here who don't have anything. And I'll take care of you over there. And so I just thought that was a very cool uh, story that will keep it about giving away and just trust the Lord with whatever he wants to do to build his kingdom where we're at. Man, I love that. That's extravagant. And for those who are listening, who might not know, um, Pastor Stan, you guys have been in the gymnasium of your Christian school that has doubled as your sanctuary and you guys set up and tear down every week, right? That's right. How long has that been? Uh, 16 years, 17 years, maybe. And we, we have a big piece of land and we have, um, permits to build, but we haven't had the resources. You got to trust the Lord and the timing of that. But it looks like we're about to move again here in that. And when you build a Christian school, you can't really go to a warehouse and just carve out space. You have to have classrooms that meet codes for the state. And there's, you have to have ball fields. There's just a lot there. God blesses us as a church. But one of the significant things he's done, I think 650 kids in our school system, hopefully headed to a thousand in this day and age where you just want to get the heart of a child centered around the word of God and Jesus. We're fulfilling that part of the mission he's given us too. that call. That's so important. That's so good. I have other thoughts to that, but I actually want to move on because I'm really curious about what you're learning right now. Let me tell you one more thing. Oh, yeah. Help, uh, Please it do. might help the young leaders out there. One of the thoughts that I'm on recently, I'm just passionate about, is whenever I go into a meeting or wherever I go to preach or speak, give a devotion, wherever it may be, I have this thought before I've gone in, and it's really, it's really made things so much better, the feel of all the ministry and the weight of it so much better. This is the question I ask myself after I've spoken to them, did I love them today? Mm. That's the question. So I go in thinking, I want to love them because I've got grace and truth to bring from the word, right? Lord, help me to love them today. And then at the end of that talk, that devotion, that meeting, even with one person, I ask myself the question, Jesus, did I love them well today? And it just keeps me centered on God is love. And I think that's something that should be expressed from his servant leaders and, and how we preach and teach. Did I love them well today? Good question to ask ourselves. That is a really good question. That is a really good question. What are you learning right now? What's some things that you're... I just finished a master's degree in leadership with the University of Northwest, Northwest University. And that was good. Two years. And I, I did it in the pandemic season. That was probably good, but I never stopped working. So, man, it was not easy to get it all done. But I felt like it was helpful. And the reason I, the reason at my age, I wanted to go back, two reasons. Number one, I wanted a degree from a Pentecostal school. That matters to me as I go forward. But the main emphasis for me was I wanted to know how to reach this generation more effectively. Because I'm at that age where I could look back on what we've done and just say, I'm going to stay right there. We're going to do this because we've grooved it and this is what I know. But I have an awareness that what worked in the past, even though we stick with the principles of God, what's worked in the past for methods is not going to work as we go forward in the same way. It's and, and one of the key things I've learned, and some people will argue with this, but they're mainly in the Midwest or the South, but we are a post-Christian generation, a post-Christian church now in America. Correct. And um, what I mean by that is everybody who's not a believer almost all of them have a negative view of pastors, preachers, and churches, and Christians. 
And politics has mucked it up a little bit for us and that whole perception. And so I just felt like that master's degree helped me to look at where this generation really is, study the culture and come out with a little bit of a different plan to be more effective as we go forward. I feel like I got another decade or two left and I want to be fruitful. Yeah. And so if you're a ball player, and I was in the early days, I want an offense that wins. And so I feel like if you're going to reach this generation going forward, you're going to have to be different than we were before. And you're going to have to understand that um, people don't necessarily value your voice. And, and that's been true of so many cultures. The time of Jesus and the Roman culture, they had to fight persecution. But if you get a, if you get a good plan, you'll hit it more effectively and you'll have more fruit. And I really loved that that was helpful in that way. I feel like I've got a better plan as we move forward. Hmm. I think it's really cool. Pastor Stan, as you're talking, I'm just like, man, I want to be like you when I grow up. And uh, <laughs> some of the things I love, there's so many things that we could hit on here. What God spoke to you about, build it for someone else, basically when they can't afford it and he will build it where you can't yeah. afford it. That just abundant blessing of God. But for you to walk in that, it still takes boldness, trust, faith, and some risk-taking. But you asking the questions of how can you love people shows you trying to keep the mission in front of yourself and keep Christ-likeness in front of yourself. And the questions about, you know, how to be continue to be effective in ministry when things are changing and culture is changing and times are changing. Yeah. Just, I was thinking, I know this is on the spot and on the fly, but for, for those of us who want to be like you when we grow up. Uh, <laughs> I've never grown up, Khalil, so I'm not yeah. sure. So, so, that's, so that's tip number <laughs> one. Kind of, my philosophy is don't completely grow up. Yeah. I, I don't know. Okay, so I'm, see, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already learning. But what yeah. would you say maybe are some principles that you would share to, to some younger individuals about just that personal growth or self-leadership continuing to grow in these things? Yeah, I don't think it's um, brand new, but someone has said that um, the hardest person to lead is yourself. Uh-huh. And I, I just, I, I came up with this thought that intimacy with Jesus is the height of success. Mm. That no matter what he's called me to or where I'm going, that if I stay in tight with Jesus and I'm talking to him and he's talking to me and I'm listening and I'm in the word, that's going to be hard for me to miss what he has for me because he leads us. And I think one of the things that's so cool about God and Jesus Christ is that every one of us have equal opportunity to get close to him. He doesn't hold anyone back and say, you are not allowed to get as close as Moses over here or Paul. Moses and Paul dug in and they went after him and they got close. And I, I just feel like we all have that opportunity to come close to me and I will come close to you. It's just a promise he gives. So I got to keep it right there. I got to keep it focused on his mission. And, and, and really it's about knowing him. So that's the main thing. There's, I, I guess there's more I, I could go on that. But the main thing is I want to stay close to Jesus. I, I want to stay in ministry. I want to stay close to my family. I believe there's a biblical precedent for pastors and elders where it says in the Bible that if you don't um, lead your family, one version, rule your family, you can't even come into ministry. I would certainly extrapolate to keep that going when you're in ministry, be there for your family. Definitely. Um, here at Horizon, for all of our people, I've always carried this heart to stay close to Jesus, 
and stay close to your family. As a minister, I think one of the best things we can do is just love our wives, be there for our kids, love them. And I've always had this feeling that if I lose my family because of the ministry, come to me, because you can get so busy uh, doing things for God that you forget one of the main priorities and it'll eventually fall apart. It's hard, you won't be respected and your heart will be torn up because of all the pain. But so if I lose the ministry because of my family, so be it. Woe unto me if I lose my family because of the ministry. But if, but if, I, if I lose the ministry because of my family, that's, I guess that'd be okay with me because I'm going to stay in tight with my family. I feel like God wants me to do that and I want to be there for them. And that's been one of the guiding principles for me. So balance and a rhythm is part of that. The time with Jesus, time with my family. And then I, I believe in hard work, but I don't believe that our work is what gets it all done. Jesus said that he's the one who builds the church. And so if I stay good with him and stay good with my family, I got a pretty good chance of having success as I go forward. So practically, I'm curious about this. Khalil and I obviously on, in different seasons, but I'm, I've got young kids, young wife. How have you stayed healthy? What practically does that look like when it comes to your family, managing the tension of all the responsibilities that comes with, and it's not even just being a pastor, but if for yeah. any of our listeners and wherever they're at, we know we live in a culture that values high, maybe help me out with this clue, high, busy output. Yeah, I would just say it. We, we get a sense of worth based on our achievement. And so when it comes to whether it's work or I'm in grad school too, or the, the, the other, the student or the person working their full-time jobs, we get our, our sense of worth there sometimes. But then I think everyone experiences what it feels like to burn out on it or to right. lose the joy of it or to find ourselves in where we don't have a healthy relationship between them all work and school and friends and family yeah. and our personal lives and our rest and not to steal your question, but it makes me think about what boundaries or guidelines sure. and principles do you set in place that are guarding that and, and helping you cultivate what matters most. Yeah. Yeah. There's different eras in life. If you think of the table, when you eat, when your kids are one and three and four, that's very different than eating at a table when they're 12 and 15 and 18. So I think that, I think there's things to change a little bit, but in general, my thought is nobody controls your calendar, but you, right. you are the one who controls your calendar. There's some things in places you've got to be and but I've always tried to, there'll come a time in your life. If the Lord promotes you as a servant leader, in each promotion, you'll have more opportunity to be busier. And so you not only can fill your whole calendar, but now you can fill it twice. And then you can fill it three times. And you have to make decisions about, number one, what's he called me to? What are the priorities? And getting those done. And But then when you think of him and time with him, you got to get that on the calendar somewhere. You got to have a time that's regular to to be with him. But I always, I always tried to make time for my family too. I calendared time with my family. So I could just say, I've got an appointment there. And I do. And it's a really important appointment. And every week, all the way from kindergarten through high school, I took both my kids to lunch. And there was one year where Candace was a sophomore and it wasn't as cool for me to drive up there. So she didn't want to do it. And so I go, that's cool. That's cool. We'll just find other ways. But then the next year she did. And, and so I just figure if you spend time with them, this is what I would say to, to dads and dads that are coming up is, Man, if your kid could get the idea that you really like who they are, then you really enjoy them. That's probably the best thing you could ever do for them. Mm -hmm. 
And we, we slip into this thought of, I want to direct them. I want them to be moral. I want them to follow God's word. I want them to be hard workers. And if you're not careful, especially with dads, we give so much direction around those things that they always feel like they're somehow underperforming. That's brilliant. Why why didn't you keep telling me all this stuff to be better? And it's not that that's completely wrong, but in the end, when you get to be my age, what you hope is that, that they know they're really loved and they love you and you like to spend time together. And so that you build a sense of security and you're, you're, I really like who God made you and you help them discover their gifts. You don't tell them what they're gifted to do. You didn't put that in them, that giftedness and that unique personality and that profile. You're just discovering it. And then you're helping them as on their discovery, uh, but you're affirming them as they go. So I always wanted time with them where I could look them in the eye and let them know that I love them and they, they were important to me. And um, <clears throat> Karen and I, for years, we had a date night and there are times you had to peel toddlers off the leg to, to go because they feel like you're forsaking them for the evening. But we just say, dad loves mom and we're going to go for a little bit, but we'll be back and mm-hmm. vice versa. But Karen and I did something. I felt like I needed a connection with Karen every day. And when I say every day, we probably didn't get it every day, but we mostly got it every day. Mm, Where good. we would just do this coffee time thing. And when our kids were little, we'd sit for 15 minutes and say, can't talk to mom and dad. We're having coffee time. So they knew that we're disconnecting. If you disconnect romantically with your wife and that's all you want, you don't care about her journey and everything that's going on. Even that romantic thing won't go that well. <laughs> but if you're partners and you love each other and you really care about each other, if you could just sit down and get a little time about how you doing, how's your day. And then, and, and so we had that. And, and kids just, they knew. And still today, if we're having coffee, our adult children will say, oh, I'll be back in a minute or I don't want to interrupt you because they, they still feel that. But the other thing is I got away and maybe I had more opportunity to do this than other people. Uh, some people, if they work part-time in situations and then they work full-time in another, you know, in the part-time interns full-time in the city, that it's harder. But we would try to get away quarterly, just Karen and I. And it would be all about how you doing. And we take two or three days and really you can do it in 36 hours. Just one night at a hotel on the coast for $88 when you get the deal. And we'd walk the beach and within 10 or 12 hours, everything just decompresses. And then we're talking about family and stage of life and how we doing, how's Candace, how's Aaron? They're eight, they're 10, they're 14, they're 16. And we would just, we just always try to stay connected, even though we were doing ministry. And then the other thing I would say is I'm not really one of those people that think 60 to 80 hours is the way to get it done for the Lord. Yeah. If you look at some of the stuff Andy Stanley's written about, if you're not careful, you can think you're the reason we're having success or God's doing something. Right. Uh, But I feel like if I follow the Lord's will for my life to, to work hard, to love my family, to love God that I can find a rhythm and a balance in that. And I tell our guys 45 or 50 hours a week, and that would include services, right? I'm, if I say 40, other pastors get mad, but I'm okay with 40 if they'll give me 40, but I want them to have a life. I want it to go well for them and their family. I feel like if they stay connected, that's the best thing they could do for the church is to have, to love their spouse, to Love their children to be a good example. And, and then when we come to work, we work and there'll be times where you go to camp and you've got a 60 or 80 hour week. And what I say about that is that happens and that's okay. Two of them would be permissible, but never put three of those 60 to 80 hour work weeks together. Don't ever do that. It's, it's yeah. from experience. That's a breaking point. 
and things start to break down in the family and not completely, but there's a disconnect that starts to happen that, and you don't want to get familiar with that disconnect and make that, you don't want to groove the disconnect. That's a brand new saying I just made up. Don't groove the disconnect. But anyway, just balancing all that. And, and then when I'm at work, man, I'm just all there for who's ever I'm in front of, whoever I'm in front of, and just trying to love them and bless them and follow Jesus and make the decisions that would please him. That was a lot. Sorry. That was gold across, like across, I know Khalil, you're wanting to say something across junior hires all the way to grandmas and grandpas and everything in between. There was so much in there. Rewind that and listen to it again. If you're listening right now. (laughs) No, I think you gave a lot of really good practicals, especially for those who have families and maybe aren't just aren't single individuals who are simply responsible to themselves, but have responsibilities to other people too. And I think there's wisdom, even for people not in that season yet, to hold on to that wisdom and realize that it will be incredibly applicable. Two questions, I'll ask the first and then ask the second, but I hear through this whole conversation, a lot of talk about family. And so my question is, do you feel like the success in family, the investment is in family, translates is translating to the success you're having in ministry yeah at some level and i I wouldn't say that i'm the picture of success with family i I don't want to give that impression but i really valued it and i think my kids and my wife always knew i loved them i i think that i made some mistakes as a parent and one of those mistakes would be so much instruction. I alluded to a little bit, so much instruction for my fam that my kids eventually, as they got a little older, they started having the, having the thought, you don't think I can make good decisions? Because like, you seem to want to make them for me. The idea, Rich Wilkerson wrote a book years ago called Hold Me While You Let Me Go. And the whole premise of the book is you're raising them to make decisions so they can go and make good decisions in life. So you got to release them along the way at some level. And I think I was a little late in the game on that one. And they can build some resentments. Now, I have a great relationship with my kids and I love them. But I'm just trying to be honest. I was trying really hard. I might have tried a little too hard in, in some spots. But I'm grateful that they love me and I love them. And I'll tell you what else I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that my kids love the church. There's a lot of PKs that don't love the church. And I, I think part of that is the church loved them. We had a lot of PKs, so they weren't just isolated. But I I tried to let them know we do what we do because we're followers of Jesus, not because you're a pastor's kid. And I tried not to put more pressure on them because I'm a pastor than I would if I wasn't a pastor. I want them to follow Jesus, but um I remember one time, one of our children's pastors, 20 years ago or so, my son was young and he always brought his Bible to church and you kind of got stars for that or something. I really had some kind of thing going on. But that Sunday, he didn't bring it. And in front of 80 kids, he says, oh, the pastor's son didn't bring his Bible today. And when I heard about that, it really missed me. And so I pulled that guy in. I go, hey, man, he's just a kid. And it's not his fault that he's my kid. So he brings his Bible every week and you're going to call him up. Don't do that to him, man. Would you just please treat him like every other kid? Don't give him special privileges, but don't put more pressure on him. So I think creating that atmosphere and understanding that just let them be a normal kid. I don't think special privileges helps you that much either if you're a PK. Um, But the church, man, they just loved the kids. They were normal kids and they grew up eventually loving the church. So potpourri happening there. I'm not sure that's what you asked, but we'll just on family. 
No, I think that's, I think there's good insight there too. And something else that I've been processing and thinking through, and I think it would be helpful, especially for younger listeners, maybe maybe thinking about the under 25 year olds. Yeah. Okay. You're talking about family and you're in the time with family and getting away. Yeah. And in, in a lot of these words, just I'm, I'm thinking about joy. And mm. I was just thinking for those who are maybe under 25 or in that age bracket, you know, what do you think about the relationship between hard work and just respite and joy? Because I think in that demographic, if it's high school or undergrad or thinking about grad programs and jobs and careers, we're trying to get set up for our future and our success. And we want to make sure finances are good. And so much of that season of life can be about working, just working hard. And um, sometimes there's that tension of feeling like I'm giving up my youth or my twenties or whatever to set up for these long-term goals. And obviously we believe in hard work, but I'm just wondering, what do you think maybe some wisdom there for people wrestling with that. What is the relationship between hard work and the joy of some of living the life that we have in the moment too? Yeah. I think it's similar in the fashion that you have to set parameters. If you're thinking that 40 to 50 hour work week, I think that's a good parameter for you. I think you have to slow workaholics down a little bit. I'm not that impressed with the workaholic. I just think other things can suffer. Yeah. And, but I'm not impressed with the lazy person either. I say I'd rather pull the reins on a resource than kick a donkey in the rear. But parameters for you, 45 to 50. But listen, you still need to rest and recoup. You still need to, to recreate. I just told my daughter this morning, who's busy with two jobs there and trying to do music as well. You need to have time to be with your friends. She's making time for church and she's not finding other time. You need to have time where you just are enjoying life and a yeah. time that you're resting. God made us to rest. So we just need to set that parameter that we do need a Sabbath. We've tried to take the Sabbath and, and, and not do too much on that day. I think Sunday, probably not the best Sabbath for those that are in the ministry. You're, you're working that day or your day off. Don't do work. And this is not my rule. This is God's rule. And <laughs> did Jesus, or rather, did God need to take a break? I don't know. But if he didn't need to take a break, he sure wanted us to. So he was an example for us. And we need to, we need to have a, a rhythm where rest and recreation can be part of that. That's what I'd say to a single person as well. You have the same parameters as everyone else. You can also create space for yourself space to think, space to breathe, space to be involved with a hobby. I think it's great if you have a hobby. My hobby happens to be my wife, Karen, that it always revolves around a walk somewhere where we get out and go for two to four miles, cool coffee shop somewhere. And we just love that. Yeah. And, but when I think of time away, like I, I like to golf, I'm not very good at it, but man, six hours and, and 80 bucks. I don't know how many times can you do that in the ministry and lead your kids. And so I, I just choose to, it was just natural for me to be with Karen and enjoy that. And we're growing together at the same time. But I would just say parameters and boundaries in those boundaries would say 45 hours a week. And, and if you have a pastor who's pushing you on that or a boss, I got to be careful here because I'm a presbyter. But you're the one who chooses where you work. Yeah, it's true. And I think a, a good conversation, like we were in a, early on, they, I worked at a church where they told me, they told Karen and I, Karen was a secretary and I was a youth pastor, both working for $400 a month, working full time in the early days. And they told us we couldn't have the same day off together. Oh, wow. oh sorry, that doesn't, well, you got to take this one and you got to take this one. We're like, okay. 
And what I told them is, we'll pray about that. And I don't think they liked it because I was just a nothing and a nobody. Like, you're privileged to be here. Okay. <laughs> so we went and prayed and we came back and I just said to pastor who I loved and respected, we prayed and we decided that we will have a day off together. And what you're going to have to decide is whether it'll be here or not. That's going to be up to you. But we're going to have one together. Because <laughs> we're young and we're just new in our marriage and we, we feel like we need the time. So he made a decision that we could stay and have a day off together, which I was grateful for. <laughs> and now I pastored that very church. <laughs> and so I have a little different philosophy, but you get to choose in a good conversation with pastor. He may not know how hard you work. He may not know that you're not getting time and he might even encourage you to find some balance, but set parameters so you can be healthy and try to follow those no matter what stage of life you're in or how old you are. I think that's good because what you're saying, the parameters and the boundaries are really around just reminding ourselves what matters most. Like you said early on, what has God called me to do? When are we meeting with God, calendaring time with family and showing yeah. the people around yeah. us know that we love them? And it can be easy in the storm of things to forget what matters most. And so maybe even just taking a time to step back and create some margin to reflect on that would be helpful for a lot of people. One, one other conviction, and I, I think this will work for Seagulls too. Thank you for Khalil for keeping me. I got to tell you a story. When I first came to Horizon, within a couple of years, I preached a message about marriage and there was a lady who just got saved. She was seeing, had just come from a horrible relationship and she's trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. All I did was talk about marriage. And at the end of it, she turned and looked at our singles pastor and said, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> and there wasn't much she could do with it. That's a direct quote. So I, I was, <laughs> but I, I have to remember that uh, we got everybody out there, not just these married people. But another thing that I would say is I really value vacation time. I think I don't love the idea of you getting away with, a, this is just me and it's a personal conviction, but I don't love the idea of people getting away with other families. You do that all the time. Yeah. I like it when you get away with your, your kids, if you're single, where you want to be with the people you want to be, but you're, it's recreation, recreating that there's something about the relationship that comes alive when you've got a week or two with your kids and it's just all about them and having fun together and enjoying life. That's another thing. Have fun with your kids. They will remember that as much as anything. And there's something special that happens that they will value if you value them enough to be with them and build time around them and, and make it special. You can't always make it special. Like you plan for quality time and sometimes it doesn't happen. But you have to have enough quantities where quality will show up because you can't make it happen. It'll just show up at times when you create space and vacation creates space. Yeah, I would, and I would just even echo, no matter where you find yourself, especially if you're not married or you're a young adult or younger, the, the calendaring piece, if you don't prioritize certain things now, you won't later, or it's much different and more difficult, I should say, more difficult to do. Because I, I knew as a single young adult, I didn't, I didn't get married and I started dating my wife at like, I think I was 28 years old, but. I had parameters. I knew that I could work 75 hours and my boss would not have bothered. It wouldn't have been bothered by it or anything, but that wasn't healthy. Even though I was single, just whatever you do now and today will directly affect your future, no matter where you find yourself, age mm -hmm. and stage and season.
And so I appreciate that thought. That's a really good, those are some good things for us to tuck away. So, and I want to give you the last word. We're going to start wrapping up here, but I want to give you the last word and then we'll throw it to Khalil. But what's one thing you say, man, just a challenge and encouragement, something you just want to drop for our listeners. Let me talk to, to leaders. You were talking about one of the questions that we're not going to quite get to is, is apprenticing or, or being with leaders. I, I just think that once God blesses the ministry where you move forward, number one, we're always servants, no matter where we're at. The man of God does not have people carry his bags. He carries their bags. That's the way that works. But God will give you some, he'll bless you in some way where you have favor with people. And when you've been in that place where you have favor with people and you guys are in that place, just by the very fact of doing this podcast and people look up to you, I don't want leaders to under-evaluate what encouragement means to people. I want you to know the impact with your children, with your wife, but with the leaders, the young people you're coming in contact with. This is a world that tears everybody down, mm -hmm. makes them think that they're not quite good enough. Social media just makes them think they're, they just can't. They just don't have it like the other people have it. And we know much of it's not even true that they're seeing. But when you speak words of life to someone as a leader, it's more powerful. You, you, I, I think we underestimate the power of encouragement that comes from spiritual authority. And we tend to give direction a lot, but encouragement, like when I sat with Sean, I saw something in Sean a long time ago, just a heart for Jesus, a thirst for wisdom. And it was easy to say good things because there's so much good that's there. I feel like we can find the thumbprints and the fingerprints of God all over these people we meet with. And that if we'll affirm it, it will help them rise to what God is calling them to. Words have lives. They put, I want to put wind in people's sails, not make them know what they've got to step up to. There might be a conversation. I have those conversations at times. Hey, we got to do better here. But even then, man, you got to have much more encouragement coming than discouragement. And with the staff members, I always have this, this thought to be encouraging with the people I'm meeting with. I can't believe the power of encouragement. Someone did it for me when I was young. Denny Duran did it for me when I was young. And I was remembering that for months and weeks and a couple of years. And I finally said to myself, God, if that one word meant so much to me coming from the man of God, help me to be that man of God. Help me to be that person that puts wind in those sails. And I would just say, I want to be that guy in the story, not the guy that said you'll never be anything and you didn't amount and look what you missed. And then those people rise up to tell the story about this guy that didn't believe him. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that believes in people. Now, I don't blow smoke. I don't lie. I don't exaggerate with anyone. It's just that when you start to, to look for the good and you vocalize it, it just becomes easier and easier because there's so much good there. And it causes people to say, maybe I could be something for the Lord. Maybe I could rise up to do things if I keep my heart in that right place. So I would just say, be a person who encourages others and you'll always have people who want to be with you. That's good. Yeah, that's a great word. Thank you. And it makes me think about the scripture that tells us to speak what is beneficial for building up. So great encouragement. I think this conversation has been awesome. It's a great, it's a great conversation that makes me want to pause and just think of leading ourselves well, 
leading ourselves well as leaders of others and in our personal lives and our families and ministries. So thank you so much, Pastor Stan Russell, for this conversation with us and for joining us. I, I want to be like you even more when I grow up. And if if our listeners want to be like you when they grow up, they can give us a five-star review to let us know so we can see that as well. But thank you so much for joining us. To our listeners, one more time, thank you. Hope you enjoy this episode. Please share with someone so that they can experience the same encouragement. And I think this conversation has the power to change the trajectory of someone's life for the better. Share it, have conversations with people, get around the table together. That's what the show is all about. If you want to become a contributor to the show so that we can continue to have meaningful conversations like this one, you can be a supporter on our Patreon page. Show The link is in the show notes. And for any dollar amount, you can continue to support and help us continue to get the show in front of more people thank you so much and man may this just encourage you and help you set a trajectory with jesus that is life-giving and fulfilling for yourself with your family and with others god bless you